From the Aleuts at Kizar to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. We're going to be talking about the tight end position and who's going to win the battle because there's absolute crazy battles all throughout this uh, spot. It was too big for a shorter episode. We had to go live, Alex. Uh, we, had to, we had to be live, and if we're not doing this live, especially this one, the tight end position, it's the most important position. The position that everyone cares about. The most important position? They should care about it. I, I'm, I'm, I am dead set on this, Ant. People need to care about this more. They need I to care agree. about this position more. Um, when George Kittle is not on the football field, the 49ers offensively have lost something. It's not like it's the end of the world. It's not like the team falls off a cliff. But they're not the same when George Kittle is not out there. The run game hasn't looked the same. The pass game hasn't looked the same. It has been drastically altered each and every year when he misses a handful of games, which seems to be the growing trend with George Kittle, the way he plays, how physical he is. Uh, how he plays also with the ball in his hand, the run after the catch ability, the yak bro of capabilities from this man. When he's not out there, though, Ant, problems. And I don't like problems, which is why I'm excited about the addition of Tyler Croft. I'm excited to see what Jordan Matthews could potentially come into. And, and look, Charlie Warner definitely showed a lot of promise last year, and that's why I'm, I'm really excited about this position. But cutback crew, make sure you're spamming right now in the comment section what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Because I saw early, uh, 49ers Fogey said, Charlie Warner or Ross Dorley, either one will be lucky to make the 53-man roster. And that seems to be a growing trend right yeah. now with this tight end room. Yeah, I wore the shirt that says block, catch, run, and fear nothing. No, that's right. And that's part of the problem. Not every one of these guys can block, catch, and run no. in entirety. They do it okay. You know, maybe they're really good at one aspect of the game, but they're developing in other areas. And the 49ers are looking for a complete tight end to back up George Kittle. George Kittle is a guy that can do absolutely everything. I mean, the guy does everything that you would ask for in a tight end at the highest of levels for tight ends in the NFL. I mean, he's taking everything to a different different world. You know, I mean, Travis Kelsey is the only one that's even, I think, mentioned. I know that there's a lot of Waller people recently, but I think that it's George Kittle, you know, Kelsey are the main two guys. And the reason that Kittle separates himself even from Kelsey, not only does he have the pass, catching ability, the route running, but it's the blocking. The blocking is tremendous. But the guys behind him have one of those things, right? Charlie Warner, it's the blocking aspect. Ross Dwelly, it's sometimes the receiving aspect. Jordan Matthews would be the receiving aspect. But then they brought in some guys during the offseason, somebody like a Tyler Croft that maybe looks like he can do both. And when you add a player like that, that's what you're looking for. When Kittle does go down, and it's unfortunate that it happens, but when you fear nothing and you play the way that Kittle plays, there's a chance you're going to miss a couple of games. And when that happens, hopefully Tyler Croft can come in there and get it done. But if Tyler Croft is coming in there to get it done, Alex, that means Charlie Warner or Ross Dwelly, like Gary said, could not make this 53-man roster. I think it's almost a guarantee that one of them don't. Could it actually be that both don't? Yes, it 100% can, because it's going to come down to, at that point in time, if Tyler Croft is that that bridge, right, that guy who can do both things, he blocks better than, than both, both gentlemen, he's a better receiving option as well, then you're looking for something different you're looking for something different in the room you would now have two guys who could block you have one guy who's a great route runner great with the ball in his hand great run after the catch ability you have croft who's shown he can be the possession guy that you've been looking for that bridge between charlie warner and ross dwelly 
Well, now you're looking for someone who does something different in that group. Anton, you're not looking for someone who can just block. You have Kyle Juszczyk who can do that. You're not looking for someone who can win one-on-one matchup, matchups per se. Like consistently, Kyle Juszczyk can do that as well. You're looking for someone who adds a little different, different dynamic. The only one that's different in that room than every other tight end is literally Jordan Matthews, who wasn't a tight end until recently. He's a wide receiver. So the route running, the speed, the way in which he can play, um, the, the the matchups he's ha he'd have on the insides going up against linebackers and safeties is a huge positive, net positive for the 49ers. Ideally, that would be possibly the best case scenario for you, but he has to develop enough that he's not a much worse of a blocker than Charlie Warner and isn't a blocking liability like, like Ross Dwelly has been. Big Papa said this just a bit ago. Dwelly's blocking last year, I think, has doomed him. I think his blocking in the last two years doomed him because that, that 2020 season, he definitely took a step back. It was noticeable how inconsistent it was. And then in 2021, everyone talked about the size he put on. He looks bigger. The blocking's no longer going to be an issue. This man is going to be solidified tight end too. And by the time we got out of training camp, it was very, very obvious that this man wasn't even close to tight end two, let alone tight end one, um, he had taken a huge step backwards. Yeah, I mean, even his amount of snaps that he took, you know, the amount of playing time he got in 2021 really took a downtick. I mean, that's the one thing about Ross Dewey is the playing time was reflective of what Kyle Shannon then believed he could do for the roster. That's why I do believe Kyle Shannon and things, things he said about the state of the franchise, you know, where he really talked about the fact one of these guys may not make the roster. I think that's interesting. And you've got a lot of guys along this uh, roster that they've brought in that have some potential to make this team. And I think, Alex, let's go through these guys and really talk about what, what their strengths and weaknesses are and which ones we believe can make this roster. Because we know, you know, what Ross Dwelly and Charlie Warner can do. We've seen what they can do. Correct. But Tyler Croft, you know, he's coming in. He's had, you know, last year he was with the Jets, but before that he's been with Buffalo. He's a guy that's got a, a big frame, six foot five, 250 pounds. He's a pretty good blocker. I wouldn't say he's a great blocker, but he's a pretty good blocker with good receiving skills. And whenever you have that size body, you are, can become a red zone threat. And I've seen him beat, you know, linebackers down the line, uh, down the outside, outside the numbers. I think he can do those type of things. He, to me, jumps out as the most obvious threat to Warner and, and Dwelly. Mm -hmm. He's the biggest threat. What do you feel about him? Do you like his red zone? And do you think he could add a lot to this team? Look, I, here's the thing about Tyler Croft. Number one, the red zone ability is there. The capability is there. His biggest problem the last few years has been availability. It's been health. He hasn't been healthy. Um, his first four years in the league with Cincinnati, extremely healthy. Yeah. Um, in, in fact, and that first the first three years specifically, he peaked in year three. Had like 4250 receptions. Had had 500 yards. I mean, he was starting to come into his own at the ripe age of 24, 25 years old. And then he has his first bout with an injury, misses significant amount of time, has a knee injury, and then after that, Ant uh, doesn't end up back in Cincinnati. Ends up in Buffalo. Plays well for the first part of the season. There starts putting up some good numbers. Gets hurt late. Then gets hurt in the middle of the next season. Hurt the next year, and then last year in New York Jets was the with New York was the first time he played a significant amount of snaps and games again, but had some nagging stuff going on. But he was tight end one in every single one of these situations, every spot. He was the first tight end on the board, and there was someone else behind him that they ended up having to turn to once he went down. Here in San Francisco, not the case. Yeah. So he has put up numbers when available and healthy. The bad news is hasn't been as healthy. Now the good news is it hasn't been major injuries. It hasn't been. ACL, ACL, Achilles, you know, 
destroyed his shoulder, tore his pet. It's not anything crazy. It's just little nagging stuff that is built up. Now, he he coming in here now, you're going to have reduced snaps, reduced roll. He's not going to have to go in there and play a bunch. We saw the Niners moving away from two tight end sets, which means this could be a guy, Ant, that they are looking at as, hey, this is a viable tight end two option for, especially if it's if Kittle misses three or four games. If we can get three or four games out of him, this is a tight end one in this league, tight end one-esque. Not the same type of tight end one as George Kittle, Ant, but top 15 top 20 tight end you want that behind george kittle that way the drop off isn't from you know a top three tight end in the league to a bottom 40 tight end in the league you don't want that drop off so croft has shown that ability and he has shown and flashed the abilities to be not only just a possession guy but a threat in the, in the red zone like you talked about yeah i like croft a lot you know and then and, and paul is asking a pretty good question here he says with the 49ers possibly going with only five wide receivers give jordan does that give jordan matthews an edge I think that's something to consider is, is Jordan Matthews being able to have some versatility there to be able to do what the 49ers want him to do at the tight end position, but also to do it in the wide receiver. Maybe the power slot role could be something that's enticing to the 49ers, but it's going to come down to how does he do as an inline blocker? That's something he's going to have to do. He's something he's going to have to make sure he's well-equipped to handle. Uh, so I'm very curious about what Jordan Matthews' development is in the blocking department. If he's able to handle himself and able to be one of the better tight ends in the league, then I'm then yeah I'd be excited about him being a potential receiving threat as well. Uh, so let's see what happens with Jordan Matthews. But I don't think he's out of the the realm of possibilities to make this. I think the 49ers are going to keep three tight ends. I really do, and I think that George Kittle, of course, has got one spot locked up. But those other two are definitely open. It's definitely fluid to see who wins. I think Croft has a really good chance to get it. I think Charlie Warner has a good chance to get it. But these other guys that are behind him, Jordan Matthews included, have a chance. I mean, it could be uh, Fumagalli, maybe. Maybe Fumagalli goes out and gets it. Maybe it's Tanner Hudson that comes in there and is able to get it done. Uh, there's a lot of options for the 49ers at tight end. There really is. And look, I think with uh, with Jordan Matthews, the big thing is, is with the Niners going five wide receivers, it is enticing because there is the ability and possibility that if you want to go those big sets with wide receivers and a maybe a little bit more speedy, big body guy there. And if, if Kittle's down, if he's not healthy, then it's an enticing option. The question is for San Francisco is with how much talent you have everywhere else and what you know, for, what you've seen out of Jordan Matthews, is someone else going to pull the trigger on him? No one pulled the trigger on him last year. So if you want to start the season off, and maybe you have some questions at other positions you want to see, he is a guy that you could, you could knowingly put on your practice squad knowing, hey, we're going to get three or four games in. We're going to see how Dwelly looks or we're going to see how you know, Warner looks or whoever the, the three tight ends are in the room. And if it's not working the way we want here, we're going to move on and we're going to bring Matthews up. And those are the three, three guys we're going to roll with. You could very easily sneak that guy away onto the practice squad. The Niners did this last year with Colton McKibbins. They kept Tom Compton around because if you cut Tom Compton, you're, you're not getting him to your practice squad. They keep Tom Compton on their active roster, knowing that they had a better chance of getting Colton McKibbins back. They wanted to keep Colton McKibbins. They never wanted Colton McKibbins not to be a 49er. But sometimes you, right, you choose the, the I guess, the lesser of two evils in certain sense in, in terms of being able to keep the guys on the roster that you have to be able to keep around and knowing there's certain guys you can get away with. Dwelly might be a guy that you're going to have a harder time sneaking to a practice squad, for example, or Charlie Warner, harder time sneaking to a practice squad. So maybe you keep them on your active 53-man roster to start the year, one of them, and let Jordan Matthews slide back in, knowing that, hey, if something if these guys don't show it, if they don't develop, or let's say we have an injury somewhere else and we want to bring this guy up, we can. Yeah, I think Jordan Matthews is a, a prime 
you know, candidate for the practice squad. I think him, Tanner Hudson, definitely are prime examples of players who could end up on the 49ers practice squad. I think it would be hard to get Charlie Warner, Ross Dooley, or uh, Tyler Croft, you know, to that position. Yeah, to get them to the practice squad, I think that'd be very difficult. And I don't think that's something that actually happens. I think the 49ers would love to be able to keep all three, but that's not going to happen. You have George Kittle, you're going to have two other spots. You're going to want to fill those spots with the best possible players. Uh, and it's you know, only two of those guys are going to survive. It's the battle of the fittest. You know who's going to make it? Uh, and I think that you know they have some good options. And I I'm not even counting out uh, Fumagalli either. I mean the guy's one of those guys that has a lot of potential. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy, and that seems to be the theme with the guys the Forty Nineers have brought in. But that's what you have to do when you have players that you know have a lot of talent. It, but you're you've got to be able to afford players to be able to come in and have a competition. And I think this is the first time they've done a good job of adding several players to add competition before last year was just michael pruitt you added michael pruitt now he was big competition i think he would have made the roster if it wasn't for an injury this time they've made sure that you know even one injury is not going to stop the competition but they have plenty of players that can go get it done so here's my question to you because i, I mean when this happened and I, I felt very good about where well, when they made the move for Tyler Croft, anyway, I felt much better about where the room was headed than, than it was in the past. Right. If we get to camp and Charlie Warner and Ross Dwelly have an elevated, uh, a guy like uh, who you j just brought up and mentioned, why am I blanking on the name? We, Fumagalli. Not Fumagalli. Uh, Tanner Hudson. Not Tanner Hudson, the guy we had in last camp last year. Why? Uh, Michael blanking? Pruitt. Michael Pruitt. Sorry Michael Pruitt that. is still a free agent and on, the, and on the market. He's still available currently. If those two guys aren't panning out, could you see San Francisco bringing in a guy like that, a veteran guy that they've had in camp before that they really liked, that you and I both thought, hey, he would have had a chance to make the roster, and those are the three tight ends they roll with in the season if they don't like what they see of the current guys. Yeah, I think for sure. You know, I think everything's fluid. When you get to this 90-man roster, uh, nothing is set in stone. You want to bring in players that can improve your team, and if they feel at some point that Michael Pruitt's a guy that can improve their roster, then yeah, I think they'll go out and make that move. I think they do have guys... You know, right now they feel comfortable with, and I think the part of the reason they feel comfortable with them is somebody like Tyler Croft uh, really has the ability to do both. He's a pass catcher and a blocker, True. and that's one thing I I want from the 49ers tied in position. I want somebody that you know actually makes the other team wonder: is this is he blocking? Is he going out for a pass? Because um, right now I feel like it's very defined roles. Now Charlie Warner is an absolute fantastic blocker, and I think he got better from 2020 to 2021. I think he Im improved functional strength. He just looks a lot better. And watching some of the plays that he made last year, he was very important to that 40 yards run game, especially a misdirection where he would pull. So I do believe that Charlie Warner has a good chance to make this team. It's going to take somebody really going out there and having a big effort. I think Ross Dwelly is the one that's most uh, you know, in danger of potentially losing his roster spot. Agreed. I mean, here's the thing. I didn't even expect Ross Dwelly to be on this roster. Yeah. I thought at the end of last year it was the swan song for Ross Dwelly. See you later. Bye bye bye. Um, I also anticipated the 49ers having a lot more cap space and maybe being able to go after some other free agent tight ends, Ant, but they weren't able to, and that's a okay. Um, I think Ross Dwelly, the only reason he's currently on this roster is because of how the Jimmy Garoppolo situation unfolded. The fact that money didn't get freed up, they couldn't maybe go out and get a bigger name at the tight end position to bolster depth. I think that's part of the reason we're sitting in this boat right now where Ross Dwelly is even in the conversation because he went from, right, prize in the eye of Kyle Shanahan, media darling, everyone loved him. Um, you know, there were a lot of people who thought he was right behind, if not just on George Kittle's heels, to not on the field at all ever. And when he was on the field, it was noticeable, noticeable how diminished his role was in this team.
Yeah, let me throw that back at you real quick before we get to uh, Paul's question. But uh, who do you think they would have wanted to add? You know, you talked about George, you know, possibly uh, Jimmy Garoppolo being gone. Who would have been a tight end you think that they could have added in that certain type of situation, you know, to bolster this roster and have Dwelly, you know, be gone? So I'm going to try and pull up the names that were available because I had had a couple in mind that I was thinking of. I know one of them for sure was Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz was one of the names that was in right. my head because he was going to be a free agent. The The Cardinals hadn't re-signed him at that point. Now, it was going to end up being, obviously, a lot of money. And yeah. that's, that's, that's going to be harder, a harder situation and a harder sell than, than other people, other positions and things of that nature. But again, that was a name at the forefront who, if you remember, not too long ago, was petitioning for the Niners to trade for Zach Ertz and get him into San Francisco that because I thought it would help the 49ers out. So I'm trying to pull this up right now, Ant, because I wanted to see. I was looking earlier uh, at this list, and for whatever reason, uh, I can't get it to pop here. So I'm going to try and pull it up here on here. Uh, what was Paul's question first? Uh, Paul, Paul is asking if Rostwelly's versatility um, was going to give him, you know, an ability, his ability to play fullback was actually going to make him, you know, one of those players that the 49ers wanted to keep. I think when it comes down to it, the, the versatility is nice, and him being able to play multiple positions is nice. Uh, that that fact that in 2019 he did go play fullback a lot, I think sure. it's something that the 49ers definitely relied on. Uh, the problem is, is Charlie Warner can do the same thing. I mean, Charlie Warner yeah, literally right. did it in college. Charlie Warner started doing it with the 49ers already. And the way that he's been able to pull and run wham blocking and pull, get around the corner and get to the second level on these linebackers, I definitely think he can already fill that role, which means the versatility of Ross Dwelly is no longer as important as it was in 2019, where he was the only guy that can do it because now they have several players that can do it, especially Charlie Warner and Warner does it at a higher level level because he's a better blocker. I I like that. I agree with that. Um, A a lot of what you just said is, is, is accurate there. Um, Dwelly does have position versatility and flexibility, which is great. And the Niners love utility in, in their players. Uh, however, his utility has not necessarily grown into stable or functional utility. It's not like you plug and play him at different positions and feel good about where you're plugging and playing him. You just can do it. Uh, I've, I've We've coached plenty of guys that you can put at different spots, but there were certain spots where it's like, if I put this guy in here, he'll he'll do what I ask. I just don't know how good it's going to be. Um, and that's the problem with Dwelly right now is that you don't know how well it's going to be. When you're asking him to run block in space and be a lead block around space, there's times where he makes solid blocks and you know foundationally gets set and gets guys in the right spots and gives his guy a lane. And there's times where he whiffs or gets yeah. lost. We saw him in the preseason getting lost going up to second level on certain blocks, and it was not good. So I did pull up this list out of tight ends. Okay. And so the first, first few names that I look at and on the list that I was excited about in free agency were, number one, Gerald Everett. Number two, Evan Ingram. Obviously, Austin Hooper. Right. I mean, it's a Kyle Shanahan guy. Uh, and then Robert Tunyon, who I was very big on, and we didn't think, hey, it would even be a possibility. The market value was looking like it was going to be $16 million. He signed a $3.75 million deal with Green Bay. You have to think if the Niners had some flexible cap space there and some room that maybe they would have made tried to make a play at that because pairing him and George Kittle up would have been absolutely glorious. Yeah, I mean, it would have. I mean, Robert Tunyon signing for that amount of money <laughs> It is definitely a you know a sign, but I think Robert Tanyan probably wanted to start. You know what I mean? One hundred percent. He wants a one year deal where he can start 100%. and then go out and get a huge contract next year. 
the injury that he suffered in 2021 is the reason why he didn't get the ultimate contract he's going to get because he's going to end up getting a big contract as long as he goes out there and has a good season and he could be Aaron Rodgers number one target sure. because they have so much changeover at the wide receiver position uh you are you are correct there it's 100 100% accurate I mean obviously who wouldn't love to have CJ Uzama from from Cincinnati but he was going to make a lot of money Tyler Conklin after the year he had just had with uh, with Minnesota stepping in for Irv Smith Jr. Uh, he was obviously going to get paid. So there were some guys that were on that list that I like the possibility of. O.J. Howard was another name, but again, you've brought this up, the idea and the possibility of being able to start for a guy like O.J. Howard in Buffalo where you have Dawson Knox there, and that's great, but Dawson Knox hasn't necessarily separated himself from the world. He's got great chemistry with Josh Allen, but he hasn't necessarily separated himself in terms of elite tight end in the league and oj howard has shown uh, shown he can function in a system which in which there's multiple tight ends uh, it's interesting that tampa bay wasn't able to hold on to him knowing what we know now about Gronk not being back in tampa yeah i think it just came down to money you know 3.5 <laughs> sure. million dollars is a lot for you know a backup tight end and so that's probably why they couldn't hold on to him. And you got these guys that like you just mentioned. A lot of them were right around 26, 27 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, 26, 27, you're hoping to get a one-year deal so you can get that big contract. Somebody like Tyler Croft comes to the 49ers because he's almost 30. Uh, so he's at a different stage in his career. Those other guys are still looking for one more big contract. Tyler Croft knows kind of where he's at. Um, so I, I think he's looking for a good situation where maybe he can go out and get a two- or three-year deal next year. So it's it's definitely interesting when you're going through these contracts. I think you're right. There were some players that were available that could have been enticing to the 49ers, but ultimately the 49ers haven't paid big at tight end besides George Kittle. I mean, he's really the only one they've been willing to go out and spend money on. Even when they bought it, brought in Jordan Reed, uh, they brought him in on the, one of the cheapest deals you could possibly bring in somebody for. Oh, that's right. This is just how they handle business. Tight end doesn't have a tremendous amount of value unless it's somebody like George Kittle. <laughs> Lou here with the all we need is money. Then we can get anyone just like the Rams. Oh, there guys. you go. Uh, he's not it's not technically wrong in that category. Uh, Tommy with the what's up kids. We appreciate that, Tommy. Look, I think this is extremely, it's extremely telling that San Francisco has gone this way and gone this route. Um, you know, I, I brought up and mentioned the fact that Michael Pruitt's still out there and available. I, I still, I, I think they've done a good job of addressing this room. Do you think any part of them believes that they don't have three names here that they they think they feel comfortable with or feel good about going into the season with, or is it specifically right now? It's it's they made decisions because of Jimmy. Once they make a final decision on Jimmy, we may see either some more names or a trade coming down the road to bring in, maybe not at the tight end position, but at other positions across the team. Uh, you could see other positions get addressed, you know, if they free up money. There's always the opportunity to go out and get a, a player that's still available. I mean, anytime you have Emmanuel Sanders, Julio uh, Jones, True. you know, J.C. Treader, um, there's, there's a tremendous amount of edge rushers, cornerbacks. There's just a lot of players out there that are available. So, I mean, if you free up the Jimmy Garoppolo money, you could always go out there and spend a little bit. Uh, so I think that's a possibility. Do I think they're going to go spend in the tight end room? No, I don't think so. I think they got the guys that they want. Yep. I think these guys are going to go in there and compete, and the best three are the ones that are going to make this roster. And I think that they've done a very good job of adding a lot of players that, I mean, if you would say that any of these guys would start, I don't think you would be surprised. You know, I mean, of course, not start on the 49ers, but uh, there's a lot of players that could definitely go out there and and do some things for your team. Uh, Tanner Hudson was catching balls from Tom Brady. True. You know, true, uh, Troy Fumagalli was, you know, a third-round pick in Denver. I mean, he's he's a guy that's got ability. Uh, Croft has done a lot of good things in this league. Um, so I think all these guys have potential. And all the while, we know Jordan Matthews' ability, if he can transition from being a wide receiver to a tight end, uh, then he could 
I mean, he could set the world on fire, and this could be a trend. I mean, we're seeing other players trying to do this as well, and maybe this is a, a trend where, you know, bigger-bodied wide receivers who maybe, you know, wouldn't be top-end wide receivers in the league end up being a tight end. The only thing is, Jordan Matthews is one of those guys that for a while was playing at a Pro Bowl caliber level as a wide receiver. Him switching to tight end, if he could block, man, that'd be fun. Uh, it really would be. Uh, I, I want to see it. Uh, number one, because I just like Jordan Matthews as a person, as a player. He's he's an extremely hard worker, Ant, and very selfless in terms of what he does and how he goes about his business. So it, on a personal basis, yeah, like the human being. So we'd love to see success for him there. Uh, but also the elevation of Jordan Matthews within this tight end room and him elevating himself into the top three spot puts the Niners in a much better position because you go from last year having question marks at tight end two and tight end three to less of everything across the board at all of these spots now you're looking at you know a, a much better a much better more well-rounded group especially if tyler croft slots in at two and jordan matthews slots in at three that gives you across the board one through three receiving threats and options not to mention what you also have in in kyle Yushek, who could slide in and play an h-back slot at times and you have a ideally i mean it's kyle shanahan here we're talking about and his tight ends have to be able to block Ideally, the three best options in terms of being able to get out there and, and run block for your football team in a variety of different ways. Yeah, and you, I mean the way you just laid it out, right, with Tyler Croft being two and Jordan Matthews being three would mean that Charlie Warner and Ross Dooley don't make Crazy. a team in that type of situation. Crazy. I think that would be interesting. I think I, I think it's going to take a lot to get Charlie Warner off this team. I don't Agreed. think that, that Ross Dooley is feeling very comfortable in his situation. I think... You know, Croft is going to come in there and push both of them. I wouldn't be shocked if Warner doesn't end up being tied in three. I mean, that's how good Tyler Croft is. Agreed. But man, this is this is one of those rooms that's fun because before when we would talk about it, I mean, even last year uh, we would talk maybe that it was a battle between Pruitt and one of these guys. But this year it's like somebody. I mean, these guys that we know have been a part of this team that we felt comfortable with might not be on this team. No, you're you're not wrong. And what would, what would be crazier, Ant? What would be crazier? Um. Jordan Matthews making the active roster and Charlie Warner and Ross Dwelly being off or Ross Dwelly making this roster and either Tyler Croft or Charlie Warner not being on the roster. Uh, I think it would be more crazy for Jordan Matthews uh, for the mere fact that he's changing positions. True. I think if it wasn't for that, I, I think that, you know, talent wise, I think he's a more talented receiver than Ross Dwelly. Mm -hmm. I think he can run all the routes and, and do all those things better than him. He's a better receiving threat. Um, but also there's comfortable, you know, they're, they're really comfortable with what Jordan Matthews has added to this football team. Uh, so I think that the 49ers feel comfortable with both guys, but Dwelly has been in this tight end room for a while now. So uh, it's going to take something unset and, un, you know, unseat him from his position. It's going to take a lot. And they do, they have the potential behind him. Yeah. I I'm so interested in what Jordan Matthews can do. I'm, I, he's one of the most uh, interesting guys I think on the team, because if he ends up being able to develop that blocking aspect, the, the sky's the limit. I mean, we not we, here we were mentioning him as tight end three, but realistically, if he could block at the level of Ross Dwelly or better, um, he could easily be tight end two because he's an absolute receiving nightmare uh, for, for other guys. He's a matchup problem. Uh, I would agree with you on this, Ant, 100%. Um, Jordan Matthews is one of the more intriguing just talent prospects we have on the team based on the position he plays and, and what he adds to the table. Because it's an unknown. It's an unknown, and, and it should, in theory, athletically translate to at least one half of his game in, right. in a big way. Um, and it will. It will in the receiving aspect. The question just is the blocking the blocking part of it. And if he elevates that, then 
who knows? You, you never know what's gonna, what, what could happen or what could be. A big Papa, where would we put any of the free agent players that are out there still? I think our players are just as good, if not better, than any of the remaining free agents. Well, I mean, let's let's take a look. I have the list here of, of names and possibilities, and oh my, there's a lot of guys signing deals, and there's, there's a lot of uh, shocking turn of events. A lot of guys signed. So you have Julio Jones. That is the big name that's going to stand out to everyone's mind, obviously. Um, I wouldn't say that he's better than any of the current wide receivers on our on our roster, um, per, per se, like individually better. Um, he's definitely a more proven commodity. He hasn't been healthy, though, for the last four years, it feels like. Yeah, it's health for him. But, I mean, realistically, he, he's better than a lot of our receivers. Other I than Juwan. Uh, I'm talking about other than your top two. He's yeah, not your number one wide receiver. No, he wouldn't be number one. He'd be coming in at number three. So whatever that value would be. I, I saw today that the Cowboys potentially are interested in him and maybe even a reunion with Atlanta. Uh, but it doesn't seem like he has a lot of suitors out there right now. So he might be waiting for somebody to free up money or for an injury to happen. Uh, I think in that situation, you know, maybe the 49ers would be interested, but I think they're locked up with the five guys they have right now. I mean, is Julio a better option than a few guys? Yeah, but um, I don't know. I I mean, he hasn't been able to stay healthy recently, and that's a real problem when you're getting, you know, paying a lot of money for players. If you bring in a Julio Jones, Mm -hmm. are you keeping six wide receivers or five wide receivers? I'm keeping six. I think I'm keeping six wide receivers at that point, which really hurts other areas of your football team, Agreed. which means you might not be able to keep nine offensive linemen, which you could, in, in fact, have to cut a player you don't want to cut. And then also it could affect your defensive line as well. So I think you have to take that into account. Would it make your offense better? Yeah. How many snaps, though, is he going to be playing for your team? That's one thing you take into account. How many times is he going to be the third wide receiver on the team? And what's that going to do to the development of Jawan Jennings? Or with the times you want to have Danny Gray, I mean, it just it, there's a lot of questions that go there. Would I be mad if they signed him? No, because he's a really good football player. Uh, but I think it would be an interesting move at this point. Tommy Huxley, Julio Jones, no dice. Uh, Diana and Rose here. How much would we pay him? That is the question. Um, it would have to be not a lot of guaranteed money. I'm thinking two and a half, three million dollars at the bare minimum, uh, that low end of that scale, and with some escalators that get that thing up to maybe six. I mean, it, with Jimmy Garoppolo's money's off the, you know, off the books, they have a lot of money to spend. They could give him whatever they wanted to give him and needed oh. to give him. Uh, but oh. it, it could be as simple as maybe Julio Jones waiting around to see if their injury happens. You know, sure. and if at, at one team out there's so an injury away from being a suitor for Julio Jones, he's 33 years old. He's not a he's not a young guy anymore. So I think that. You know, I don't know if the 49ers would ultimately be interested in him. We know last year they showed some interest, but that was mainly trying to prevent him from ending up in the NFC West. Uh, so if I think if he went to the Cowboys or he went to the Falcons, I think the 49ers would be okay with that. It's true. Uh, hey, team, said David Campbell, how you doing? David Robbins with the Kittle 1, Croft 2, Warner 3. And, uh, that's the same list that we have at this point in time. Those are the three we're definitely most comfortable with. I have them in that exact order as well. It's impressive. Yeah, I do too. And and the, I got a question for you. Who would be tight end four? Uh, because I think that guy is one injury away from potentially being there. Probably the most likely to end up on the practice squad. Is it Jordan Matthews? Is it Tanner Hudson? Is it uh, Fumagalli? Who is it? Yeah, we only asked the hard questions. <laughs> it'd have to be Matthews for me. Yeah. It would have to be Matthews. You kept him on your practice squad all of last year. Ross DeWilliams continued to be demoted. 
You didn't bring up a Jordan Matthews because you wanted him to have time to develop without the pressures of having to go out there and produce on the football field for your team. Just focus on your craft. Focus on the things you can control. Focus on getting better as a blocker, understanding the system in this playbook. Right now, he would be four. I think he has the heads up in that area because the Niners kept him around all last year. They kept him, kept him around uh, and didn't try and elevate him and put him in a position to, to go out there and prove it right now. Otherwise, we're not holding on to you. It was a long-term investment for him, whereas Ross Dwelly's role has continually decreased over time in San Francisco. It has not gotten bigger. It's gotten less and less and less to the point so much so last year that we thought he was out and gone. So I would think he is four. Dwelly is five. And the other two, Hudson and Fumagalli, are probably t in a tied category. And, you know, you got to prove something. You got to show us something, kid, once we get to actual training camp and preseason games. Yeah, I think one thing with Jordan Matthews is he provides something different than the other guys you just named because sure. uh, he's a better receiver than all of them. You know, so, I mean, you, if you could potentially keep him on the practice squad, you know you're going to be able to have him on the practice squad. Also true. And so he's going to be available for your football team. And if something happens to George Kittle, um, then you could go to a situation where you play Charlie Warner to block and you play, you know, Jordan Matthews to go in there in certain situations and play. And if there's an advancement in the role of George Kittle to playing a power slot role, which he could do this year, True. you might feel that with a Jordan Matthews if an injury occurs. So uh, he could be he could be four, he could be five. I think Ross Dwelly right now in my mind is is four only for the mere fact that he we've seen him do it. We've seen him play in this room. Kyle Shanahan would feel comfortable with him. But there's nothing in my heart that doesn't think that uh, Jordan Matthews can't come in and take that spot. Uh, I like that there, Ant and uh, David. David here, Robbins. Forrest Fumagalli, big guy, six six two eighty for blocking. So he's sticking with the blocking category, and I understand it. Yeah, this is something that tight ends for Kyle Shanahan need to do. I like Fumagalli. Yeah, Fumagalli's rough. He's tough, and yeah, uh, he he plays you know at a high level. But his problem has been injuries, you know, and that's something that it's also got after Croft. Uh, those are things that those talent wise, those two guys, you could you could say if they came out and had an excellent training camp, if they came out and did all the things they need to do, it would not surprise me in the least. And I'm saying this because that's how much belief I have in these two guys. If you looked at the roster and it said George Kittle, Tyler Cross or Tyler Croft and Fumagalli. If you said that, they, not only did the four yards tight end room get bigger, uh, but it got more versatile because two guys that can block and catch the football. So, I mean, the, that's the kind of capabilities this 49ers tight end room has. It definitely does. And it's a, it's an interesting battle to, to be keeping an eye on and watching if you were the 49ers and if you're a fan. Um, because ideally, the Niners brought in all these names, and specifically so that the, the, the tight end room wouldn't look the same this year. Yeah, They want it to look a little different. I think they ideally would like two new names to go along with Kittle. Um, but if, if, if it's two names you're familiar with, if it's Kittle and Warner, those are the two who elevate, and one new guy then your room is going to get better. You improved by bringing in some outside competition and making these guys prove it. Last year, they rolled into camp with not very many new names and not a lot of guys who were going to push to make this active roster. And this year, you have about four or five guys who are sitting there going, hey, maybe maybe all five of these guys actually have a claim, a claim that could be made for one of these roster spots. Um, the question is just going to be which guys are going to separate and elevate. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, this is going to be a one heck of a, a battle in camp. And Paul keeps, you know, saying that every week. And he's right. You know, every time we talk about these training camp battles, he's absolutely right. Because there's going to be, you know, tremendous battles. And these are some of the fun ones to watch. Tight end position is a fun battle to watch. The four yards are going to improve at that area uh, by hook or crook. I mean, they're bringing in guys to go ahead and get it done. So by I'm excited hook, about it. By hook or crook. That's right. That is solid. And Tommy, yeah. thank you for the $2 super chat. Yeah, some money for Ant's pork belly stocks. That's right. 
Who doesn't like pork belly? It's delicious. I mean, it is it is pretty good. It's been a while since I've had that, though. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It has been a little bit of time. So thanks, Tommy. I appreciate that. Tommy, I... I I don't know. I don't eat. I don't eat pork belly stock. So I mean, I, uh, thank you for that for us. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, and I, I mean, thank you. How did he know I was such a connoisseur of the swine? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. Bacon, it's sausage, he's a, he's just, ribs. He's a yeah. chef. He's yeah, a there chef, you go. Right? As you just yeah. you sense it. I I would think. Tom, I mean, Tommy didn't know that my my grandfather actually was a hog farmer. That's true. Uh, so yeah, I'm a connoisseur of the good old Brock, of the swine. Good old, I love Brock, it. good old Brock Lesnar. Yeah, that, there you go. <laughs> he really does. You got the Brock Lesnar look. Uh, Diana and Rose here. Realistically, if what, how much time do we give Brendel before we sign someone like J.C. Treader? And I saw someone earlier say, "Hey guys, how much is it going to cost to sign J.C. Treader on a one-year deal?" Um, I, I look, I don't know how much time realistically you have to give, but I, I don't think it's one preseason game. I don't think it's a couple of weeks of training camp. It's going to be most of the preseason before you get to that point because I don't, I mean, barring, barring an atrocious performance in the first preseason game where like he gets molly whopped by a team's first string for a series or two and then gets absolutely embarrassed by a team's second string. And then they like keep him in for a little bit because they're trying to build that confidence. And then like he gets embarrassed in in, in the third string with th third string reps. Unless something like that happens where he puts together one of the worst preseason games any player in the history of the NFL has put together, it, this isn't going to be a one week thing. No, I, I think JC Treader is going to get every opportunity to go in there and prove, you know, that he's a starter. You mean Brendel? Oh, I'm sorry, Brendel. I got. You. Thank you. I got you. Treader on the brain. No, JC Treader's on. Yeah, I think Brendel's going to have every opportunity to go out there and prove. You know that he can be the starter, and I think he just—you know—he just might be able to do it. Who knows? Uh, but I think that if they felt at some point that he wasn't ready to go, they would bring in Treader. Now, the one thing that's been pushed, I think, all through 49ers land is that Treader doesn't want to do any of the offseason stuff anyway. I'm, I'm stunned by yeah. So I mean, if they brought in Treader, uh, Treader late, um, he could come in and you know and and fit right in. My questions would be because we know he's had the knee issues. Mm -hmm. um, would he be able to stay healthy? That's one thing I worry about. I think the 49ers would be uh, a little hesitant on giving him a big amount of money in a, in a one-year deal um but they could definitely do it you know i mean they could definitely give him that one-year deal with the hopes that maybe he could be the the lead guy and they could develop an understudy whether that's donovan west nick zakel spencer burford whoever it ended up being they would have a stopgap, you know a somebody that could take over that role and then they know they felt comfortable with it in that case daniel brunskill could be the backup center uh, and you can have an understudy just learning, and then if something happened, you could go Brunskill, slide in more at right guard. Uh, but it makes for some interesting conversation. Uh, it really does. And look, I, I, you know, I, I think Big Papa kind of kind of just said it, and David just said it as well. Brendel's the guy; he's getting all the first team reps with Lance early and often. And uh, Big Papa here, Paul going. Treader is not is not coming to the Forty Nine ers. The redshirt plan is it was in practice and it's in place. Uh, this is something that you can't turn away with from San Francisco. They aren't the Rams. They aren't teams like Tampa Bay. Yeah, they are not going out and signing and and bringing guys in to fill gaps. And they're developing these guys. They're putting them on practice squad. They're giving them time. They're drafting these players. It is homegrown development in San Francisco. That is the focus. They have bet and banked on their coaching staff getting these guys to where they need to be and them being able to do what they need them to do in this system to get this team to where they need to be. And during the Kyle Shanahan era, you've made two NFC championship games and a Super Bowl because of it. And when your team has been healthy, it's been one of the more dominant teams in the league and offensively and defensively. 
until that isn't the trend, until I don't consistently see a 49ers team with not the biggest names in the world, with them not going elaborate, crazy spending money on not guy or free agents and things of that nature and trading for guys and signing them to huge extensions until the Niners start doing that, like in season start doing that and making trades and signing guys immediately. I'm not going to bet money that they're going to be doing it in the off season. I, as much as I think Treader would be, especially if he can be healthy, a great option for San Francisco at the center spot is knowing what he could replace with Mac not being in, in position there not being in San Francisco. It, it just doesn't feel like this is what the Niners want to do or are going to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those interesting conversations because actually the 49ers don't draft and develop centers. That's not what they do. No. On brand is bringing in someone. Uh, when they got in there, they brought in Weston Richburg. He was a high priced center that was going to come in, you know, and, and get the job done. And of course, he didn't work out. Even the backup, Ben Garland, was somebody that Kyle Shanahan felt comfortable with and brought in, you know, and then it was Alex Mack. He was another guy they brought in. This is what they do. They usually go with veteran centers. Uh, I thought maybe they were going to change course and go with a young center to develop under Alex Mack. I don't think the 49ers felt Alex Mack was going to retire after one year. I thought they had two, and I think that's what their whole plan was. So could they shift course again and go with a veteran center? If the price was right, if they felt Treader was a better option than Brendel, it makes sense. If you feel like that's a lateral move and that Brendel's going to be able to operate in your offense as good as Treader or close to it, he's financially a lot cheaper, which means you save money on the back end so they could go that route. But I never call it out of question because John Lynch has proven that he will do what's necessary, you know, to make sure that he his team is in the right situation. Um, it could be Brendel. I think all signs point to being Brendel. But I'm never going to completely dismiss Treader. I don't think it's like a you know a good chance that it's going to happen, but it is still a chance. Five fifty. That's only fifty two, Michael. I did the math twice. I just wanted to make sure. Forty nineers, fifty three man roster breakdown. I said two quarterbacks. Uh, five running backs, five wide receivers, three tight ends, uh, eight offensive linemen, 11 DNs, and five linebackers, six corners, four safeties, That's one 53. punter. Is it 53? Yeah. One punter, one kicker, one one long snapper? Yeah. It's 24 players on offense, and 26 players on defense, defense, three you're special right, teams. You're right, you're right, you're right. Okay, so that is an interesting list there, uh-huh. uh, and I can definitely see that. He was the eight offensive linemen there. Oh, wait, you know what? It's, it's, he's one. He's one short on um, one short on offense. He has twenty five or twenty three. Twenty three. Okay, so players. it was fifty two. So you'd have one yeah, more. You're right. You'd have one more, Michael. So who is the other guy? Where's the other spot? Where's the other position? Yeah, is it a ninth offensive lineman? Is it a twelfth defense, defensive player? Um, I think those are the most obvious choices. Uh, I would I would think it's O line or D line. Uh, in fact, if you watch the breakdown video that I did where I went through all the different positions, it was exactly like that minus offensive line where I kept nine. Oh, fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. And there's the other thing, too. Here's the crazy part. So that that breakdown right there is absolutely wonderful. So I, I do love it. There is a case to be made, Ant. There is a case to be made. Maybe the 49ers, to start the year off, roll with four linebackers instead of five. Yeah, you could. And and I don't know how smart. Listen, I don't know how smart it yeah. would be. But if Demetrius Flanagan fouls isn't what you th- want him to be or isn't developing wise where, where you want him to be maybe he's a guy that they try and sneak onto their practice squad. I think I would be real nervous about only rolling with four linebackers. Oh, 100% agree for, with you. for the mere reason that you had Fred Warner. I mean, he doesn't miss a lot of games, but he got nicked up. You had a situation last year where Aziz Alshire was hurt. Drake time. Greenlaw missed a lot of games. Uh, I would worry about that. I do like Oren Burks, and I think he's going to be the first guy to step in. Agreed. And I think there's going to be a little bit of a battle between Demetrius Flanagan-Fowles and Curtis Robinson for that fifth linebacker spot. 
I do believe it's going to be five. I don't think it's going to be six. Um, I get what you're saying. And there's a potential of them trimming somewhere. Where it's going to be, I don't know. I couldn't find very many spots for them to be able to trim. There's really not. No, but keeping nine offensive linemen, I think it could be critical for the 49ers because they don't want to lose players. And then keeping 11 D linemen, the question is going to be, and it would be 12 if you left you know, somebody like Kalia Davis, you know, on a, on a pup list Correct. or an NFI. Um, so I think that maybe that would be the way that would still be 12 guys. Could it actually be 13 if they decide to go another way? Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of defensive linemen though. It's a butt ton of defensive linemen and I'm all for it. I'm yeah. all for it, man. Yeah. I like the D line it. too. I, I love me some D line. Here's a, here's a thought for you. We were, we were talking tight ends. This was tight end training camp battles. Yeah. Jason Poe is an interesting gentleman, Ant. He's got athleticism. I've seen some video of him catching the ball out of the backfield. Big big body. Do a little bit on the smaller side in terms of height and stuff, but he's big, he's athletic. Is a tight end transition potentially in his future? Well, I mean, he's fast, right? I think he's, he's not a, yeah, he's not slow. He was a four eight nine, I believe he, he For his size, if, if if he if he drops, yeah. if he drops some serious weight. He could probably get down to that four seven range for high four sevens. Yeah, I think I think when he becomes a tight end, he becomes short, right? He's six foot one. Yeah, uh, that's short for a tight end. That size is not a, a, a really good makeup for a tight end. I think he would make more sense as a fullback. Oh, I like the it. problem is, is you have Kyle Uzcheck. So do you need a fullback? Uh, I think you could find versatile ways to use Poe. Maybe use him as you know an off ball blocker, and then also you know a guy that could catch the ball occasionally. But do you do you have room on your roster for a specialist role like that? I'm not sure. No. I think the more than more than likely situation for Jason Poe is that he ends up on the 49ers practice squad yep. where he can develop. The question is, well, what are we going to see during training camp? At some point, are they going to move him from offensive line? If he stays at offensive line, that's who he is, right? But if they somewhat move him, then I think it gets interesting because you're right. They could put him at tight end and see what he can do there. They could put him at fullback and see what he can do there. And that could be a problem for Hockett's practice squad chances. Um, and then, you know, after that, you just wonder, you know, what if they would even consider him being a defensive lineman. He has the right size, speed, and makeup to be a D lineman. But um, I don't know. He's an interesting one to watch because the size and ability um, is is something that, as far as speed and athleticism, perfect offensive lineman for what they want to do in the gap scheme. Arm length, uh, height, not exactly ideal for what you're trying to do. No, and this is why my head uh, original with, with when it comes to Jason Poe, my mind and immediately turns to Chris Kasarik. Yeah, it really does. Um, I, I know a lot of people haven't been pushing this and promulgating it. I've heard the the I've heard the tight end theory. I've heard the fullback theory. I've heard the offensive line theory, and that people are just wrong. This guy's gonna be a stud in that spot, and I get it. But what he could become with Chris Kisarek and all of his athletic ability, his potential, his explosivity, all of that, and he wouldn't have to change much of anything about him structurally that he is currently, what he weighs, he doesn't have to change any of that. You could just start working, start tooling, adding things to the repertoire there, and it, he could be something that Chris Kisarek to mold, could mold into something beautiful. I'm excited about the possibility of what yeah. it is. The question just is, what do the Niners want to do with him? Yeah, I mean, he is pretty much Kalia Davis's size. Yeah, you know, I mean, he he is he has a more natural build though. He holds his weight differently than Kalia Davis. You can tell Kalia Davis had to add weight, you know, and, and become a line from a linebacker to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens with Poe. But he's going to be one of the ones I think everyone's going to pay attention to. Uh, not only in training camp, but also when we get to the preseason, just to see what the 49ers do with him. I'd love to see what he could do with the ball in his hands, but who knows? Uh, who knows, who, indeed. Who knows if we'll get to see that. Uh, Poe's a lock for the practice squad. Yeah, I There's think... There's no way he's making 53 I think Poe's a lock for the practice squad as well. I don't think he's making a 53-man roster. 
Uh, I, I, I mean, I just don't see it. I think the guy's tremendously athletic. I think he's a tough player. He's smart. Um, he's got all that going for him. But as an offensive lineman, he's got some major things to overcome. And one of those is length. I mean, everyone he goes against is going to have longer arms than him. Everyone else is going to be able to play with a low pad level too. So uh, he's going to have to win in certain ways. And there's, there's elements of his game that are very good in the NFL. And there's elements of his game where it can be an absolute liability. Uh, agreed. And it's going to come down to development and, and what he shows and also what's being asked of him. I think what you, I think all the potential for what he could be is, is great. But as of right now, he was brought in and was an offensive lineman coming out of the draft. I think ideally right now they want to give him a fair shake at that and see what he could be. And if it doesn't pan out, then A-OK, you move into the practice squad, and then you start doing your experimenting, and then you start working on the, some other things and testing him out and trying him out in different spots and seeing where you think you can get the most out of him. Um, but I think he's going to get a fair shot at line. It's just a matter of uh, how long. How long is that that shot and that opportunity going to be? I just think there's a tremendous amount of players that are ahead of him that he's going to have to overcome right now. Agreed. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of really good football players on, on that line, and he's going to have a lot to, you know, ha- make up to overcome it it's going to be tough for him uh gonna be difficult it gonna be difficult but tcc we know it's not difficult is being here daily for videos and uh subscribing if you haven't already hit that subscribe button hit that notification bell and the like button and share it with the rest of the faithful in the tcc out there who missed the live because we got lots of Jason Edgar Allan Poe. Come on, David. Uh, we got a lot of videos coming up, more conversations, more topics to discuss and cover, more training camp position battles. Look, the tight end room, Ant, is, a, is an interesting one just because they've added more names. It could look a lot different than it did last year, but at the end of the day, the cream of the crop at the top, George Kittle, is still going to be in effect. He's still going to be blocking. He's still going to be running. He's still going to be catching. He's still going to be fearing nothing. He's still going to be the people's tight end, and we're hoping a 17-game full healthy season for George Kittle so that way he reclaims the throne as the number one tight end in the league. Yeah, I, I think so. I think he's going to have a big year. I think... You know, this offense is going to it's going to be well equipped to help him out, you know, get him more open chances to catch the ball with some space to be able to do some things afterwards. And I think also I think the way the foreigners are going to run offense this year maybe could get him some opportunities where he's not blocking as much, but is, you know, out there as a receiver as well. So I, I think that George Kittle is going to have himself a year. And I think the questions are going to be, can he stay healthy for 17 games? And if he's not healthy, which one of these tight ends is going to be able to step in and hopefully give us production that, you know, the four years are going to need from that tight end position because Kyle Shanahan, no matter if George Kittle's there or not, uh, still relies on that position. The only thing that's good is the way Kyle Shanahan is built in this wide receiver room. And the emergence of Jawan Jennings means if you need to go three receivers and you need to pull tight ends off the field, you can go with Kyle Ushek and Jawan Jennings out there and still get some really cool matchups for yourself. Uh, absolutely. You definitely can. And we're going to see... What ways the Niners and, and Kyle Shanahan decide to uh, build out these formations and build out these packages and these personnel groupings, what they're going to look like and what the formula is going to be once we get to the season, because the formula is going to change a little bit. Trey Lance is going to add a, another wrinkle, another dynamic to it, to this offense that it hasn't had in the past, just from the sheer athleticism and cannon of arm that that gentleman has. Ant. Uh, and so the offense can look different. It can function different. It could set up different. It can be presented in different ways. But at the end of the day, it's still going to be Kyle Shanahan. It's still going to be this 49ers run game. And the tight end room is going to play a big part in both the run aspect and blocking and in the pass game. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, and I'm, I'm curious how this tight end room ends up shaking out. 
we won't know until we get to camp, you know, and camp's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to get out there and watch these guys uh, and get in some real football. It's after that, it's just all football all day. Uh, it's going to be fun, you know, training camp and then preseason. And then here we go, regular season. And let's hope we have a less tumultuous season than we had at the beginning of last year. Let's have, let's hope we're having a lot of exciting moments. Seven, 17 and oh, riding, riding smooth and just a steady uphill climb. Let's, let's make Gary's dreams come true. I'm Gary's okay dreams come true, man. I'm okay with that. That's good. And and shout out to David Robbins. I subscribed today. I have now a go-to channel for 49ers news. Chapman, Lombardi, 49ers cut back. Facts beat drama all day long. David has found himself a, a quality channel for facts, Ant, and, and just talking about the 49ers. I really appreciate it, David. And and thank you so much for including us with John Chapman and, 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 David, and David Lombardi. Are you me? Uh, we really appreciate that. And, you know, that's what it's about. It's about talking facts. Um, but it's also about having a fun conversation where you don't get mad at people, but you just understand where they're coming from. You can disagree uh, cordially, of course. But, yeah, let's talk about the team. I, that, that's the funnest part. I don't know how many times that's what we would all do. Alex, we would sit around and talk about 49ers football, talk about, oh, we should have we should have done this, we should have done that. I think that's one of the cool things, but uh, we really appreciate that, David. It means a lot. Extremely, extremely. It means, uh, it means a bunch. It means a lot to us for everyone who's here commenting, uh, liking the video, sharing it. Uh, whether you're Tommy, giving us $2 Super Chats for, yeah. for pork. Pork belly. St stuff. Yeah. Thank you, Tommy. Or, you know, you're just asking great questions. You're giving us your 53-man roster predictions, or in Michael's case, 52 men. But you know what, Ant? That leaves him room to make more moves later. He added an offensive lineman. So he's he, smart. Oh, there He's on. So, yeah, he added an offensive lineman earlier. So he's, uh, he's, he's on. Good. He's literally on the same track and mindset that I am. So uh, I, I agree with Michael Humphrey. Uh, Michael Humphrey killing it, guys. Yeah. Chat killing it all day long. They always are, Ant. Uh, yep. What are they not? But look, there's also additional content. So... If you're tuning in, you're getting a couple of videos from us today and, and you're loving that, well, there's more stuff. There's more content being produced throughout the week as well. Over on Patreon is the best way to get access to that content and support the channel. So you get more of it. Uh, you get slightly off size and you get hit or miss. You have a library of 49ers cut back in time as well as big yikes and other things that we have put out over the years. So you'll have tons of things to go watch. Tons of things to get caught up on. Uh, so if you want to do that as well, you hop over there. It doesn't cost very much, and it helps the channel. But if not, you can always stay right here on YouTube. Get your daily fix of the 49ers cut back and be feeling good about your football team. Yeah, and I think we're building towards the season. You know, content's, it's, content's ramping up. I'm excited about you know, all the direction that things are going, and I'm looking forward to the season. I think it's going to be a great season. 49ers football is going to be fun this year, and we're going to have a lot of fun conversations to go along with it. Make sure you're here. If you love the live streams, make sure you're here on Thursday. We're going to have another great live stream on Thursday. So hop on. Have your questions ready because it's Q&A. So anything you want to ask, uh, make sure it's ready. If you want to message us and let us know ahead of time, you can do that as well. But if not, just hit it up in the chat, and we'll make sure we get to it. Uh, accurate. Q&A Thursday. You won't want to miss that right here. 40 hours cut back, 5 p.m. Pacific time. And make sure they're here. Be here or or don't. But then it's going to be really hard to have your question answered. Uh, be here on time because the, the sooner you get your questions in, Ant, the more conversations we get to have. Now, there you go. Exactly. And David Robinson, all good and love your content, graphics, and format perspective of player coach. Love it. Uh, thanks so much, David. I, I think that's one of, you know, we've had some great comments and those are some of the best. So we really appreciate it for sure. Appreciate it. All of you. Thank you so much. We appreciate all the love today. Uh, and fun conversation. Yep. We got more content coming your way. So make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. And until the next one, cut that crew of the faithful. Stay safe. Remember the right way is always the 49ers way.